The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. You descend upon me like a rolling stone, like a black swan raging over all that I know. You know it unnerves me when I lose control and I'm all out of options and I'm out of my head and I built my life around someone who I thought I was but it turns out all the things I do to feel young they only make Oh, and you lift me up like Lazarus You love me like death in reverse You unearth me like a vein of gold with The powers that drive up the flowers from the fold You cast me uncursed, unearth my body and my soul Like fire from my ashes, like fire from my coals And I built my life around someone who I thought I was But it turns out all the things I do to feel young, they only make me old. But you raise me like a baby, like a fiery phoenix bird. Oh, and you lift me up like Lazarus. You love me like death. Love me like death, love me like death in reverse.
Good morning. It's so good to be gathered with you from here to there to everywhere uh, in worship this morning. Let's pray. God, we thank you for sending down your Holy Spirit like the rushing wind to connect each and every one of us to you and to one another. We pray that this morning you would ignite our spirits, our hearts, our mouths to speak and know and feel your truth, your love, and your presence today and every day. Amen. Spirit, hold. 
Now's the time in our service where we continue with our worship through offering. Would you recite this offertory prayer along with me? Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you, we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents, and resources. 
We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of a rescued people. We give generously with the excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hello, Ecclesia. Good to be with you today. If we haven't met in person, my name is Wayne Brown. I'm the campus pastor over at Ecclesia on the West Side and want to give you just a few updates, some things that you will want to know are going on. First, we want to make sure and stress the fact that we are gathering in person and it has been so good to gather in person indoors with the AC on at both of our campuses here at 1100 Elder and also over at the West Side in Piney Point. Every Sunday we're there, 9 a.m., 11 a.m. It's a shortened gathering that we're doing there. So you can expect for us to sing some songs together, which has been amazing to actually hear not only the band singing, but to hear other people singing around you. We share in some prayers and some liturgy. We also take communion together, which has been a gift. And then you'll also get to hear a brief message from God's word from one of our campus, from one of our pastors on, on the team. It's shortened. We're going to keep kids together. Uh, you can expect to be in and out in about 45 minutes, but it's a great time to connect. We will ask that you register for those in advance just so that we know you're coming. And if there's any updates or things that change, we can communicate that to you ahead of time. You can register at ecclesiahouston.org or you can do that through the Church Center app. That's actually the easiest way to do that. And one quick update for all of you on our gatherings in person, we have an update on our mask policy. So starting next Sunday, June 6th, we are going to allow masks to be optional for those in the community who are fully vaccinated. We're asking that if you are not vaccinated, that you continue to wear your mask. Uh, and we're really trusting our community to take care of one another and adhering to the current CDC guidance on masks and vac vaccination statuses. Our staff will continue to wear masks at each gathering currently, but we'll be evaluating that going forward and what makes sense. So Ecclesia, we, we're doing everything we can to make this a safe and sacred experience, and we would love for you to join us there. Again, you can register at ecclesiahouston.org or you can go to the Church Center app. Next, I wanna tell you guys about our Waves Kids Camp which is coming up on June 28th through July 1st. That's a Monday through a Thursday. We're doing it in the evening, beginning at 5.30 p.m. Registration is almost full, so if you wanna get your kids in, you better sign up quickly. But more importantly than that, if you would like to be a part of that, you would like to volunteer, we would welcome you and would love that. You can email katieoneal at ecclesiahouston.org to be a part of this amazing camp. We can't wait to be in person with our kids safely outdoors in the evenings over at our Westside campus. Next Ecclesia, with the updated CDC guidance, uh, we've actually got a lot of groups that are beginning to form and several of our small groups that are beginning to meet in person again, that they feel like that's a safe option for them. And so we want to make sure that you're aware that if you are looking for a way to connect with others who are part of Ecclesia, 
to meet in person, to share a meal, to open the scriptures and just share your life with others, uh, we would welcome you in those places. So you can go to ecclesiahouston.org groups to find out more information about what groups are meeting, where, when, all of that info. And if you would be interested in hosting others at your house for a small group, we would welcome that as well. And you can email smallgroups at ecclesiahouston.org to find out more information about what that looks like. But Ecclesia, let's not miss this chance to connect to with each other in person. Uh, we can't wait to see you at one of our small groups. And lastly, Ecclesia, I just want to invite you to take a moment to pause wherever you are, uh, to take in a deep breath, and to just ready your heart to receive a message from God's Word. We get the privilege to hear from our lead pastor, Chris C., uh, as he opens the scriptures and shares just some of his life and some of the insights that God has given him recently. And my prayer for you is that you hear and sense God speaking to you wherever you are, that he ministers to you at exactly the right moment, that you are able to breathe in his peace and receive the forgiveness that God offers you. Ecclesia, we love you. We can't wait to see you in person. God bless. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and wherever you are, I hope you feel like summer is kicking in. And uh, this is gonna be our first real summer. If you've gotten a shot, like I just got my uh, boys one, we are gonna be out and about, and there are gonna be crazy things like concerts. And hopefully you know already, we're gathering in the room and we're having great activities and crafts with our kids in the room, West Side and downtown, nine and 11. And if you wanna join us this way, whether you're traveling, or you just need to be at home for a little while longer as a part of your self-care and preservation and health, then that works great too. Although I would love to lay eyes on you and give you a hug. Isn't it great? I heard uh, one of the physicians on uh, a news program this week saying hugs were preferred over handshakes and uh, that handshakes are spreading a lot of germs, but hugs are not, apparently if they're not too long. And Right now, many of us have not had good hugs, and we're naturally going to hug probably a little bit too long. But you can come, and we can hug, and we can be together, and I think that's great. In the meantime, we are talking about what it means to literally reconnect. And each week, uh, Sean and I have been sharing with you about that. And this week, we're preaching from a passage in Micah 6. And as I discussed the passage with Mike Yeager, one of the pastors on our staff, who's gonna be preaching it at one of the campuses this weekend. Mike said, I, I wanna approach this through the lens of a Dr. Seuss story. And uh, I'm a little bit uh, out of practice with Dr. Seuss because my youngest is 15. Um, and he told me that, you know, the one Horton hears a who. And, uh, and I did remember that I loved that story, but it's been a while. And as I picked it up to reread it, I'll be honest, I don't doubt Mike Yeager very often. I mean, he's spot on almost all the time, but I thought, I'm not sure Micah 6 and Horton Hears a Who are going to resonate for me. But I, I read the story again. And Horton and the story, you'll remember, he's an elephant. He's an elephant who randomly hears a voice from a speck of dust, right? And he begins to realize that on this speck of dust is a small planet of small people, and nobody believes Horton. He puts them under a clover leaf to protect them, and he vows to keep this planet of people safe. Now, all the other animals in the jungle, they think Horton's crazy, and uh, they think Horton um, has just kind of lost it, and they mock him, and they make fun of him. And in the end, he's got a, a, a plan to, to get them, hopefully, to hear 
the Who's from Whoville. And there's a whole narrative of how it happens. But then for the first time, they hear and they believe. And as I read it, I still wasn't totally sure. And then I realized, you know what, Mike's right. Uh, justice, and that's what we're talking about today. How do, how do we reconnect, this passage from Micah 6, how do we reconnect to Ecclesia's call to be a people of justice? And when the world stopped, a lot of things stopped, and some of our rhythms failed, and some of us kind of forgot who we are, some of us dug deeper into who we are, but we together at Ecclesia, we're a people of justice. And as I heard this story, I was, uh, I was just read it, and then I was visiting with an older pastor that I love dearly. And he was telling me, uh, about what it's like in his church to have uh, an African-American friend, he's Anglo, who's a very close friend. And he's come to realize through this last year and through this friendship that his African-American friend, who's around his age, an older gentleman, um, grew up in Houston, that his life experience is entirely different. And that a lot of what he um, thought would be typical was not typical. And some of the hardships were really difficult. And he started trying to figure out as a pastor, how do I share these stories? And he talked about having them on a podcast and sharing some of these stories in a sermon. And he realized the people in his church, they actually don't want to hear this story. They actually don't want to acknowledge that this story from even a person in their community exists. They're deaf to it. And I realized in that moment that when we talk about justice, that Horton hears a who, is a great story because to even begin we have to realize there are people that we don't listen to i don't know who those marginalized people are in your life or in my life i know in our culture uh, that people without resources people that are in a minority group often become marginalized and we just don't hear them and so today we're going to start by listening and i'm going to invite you to say what would it look like to be a people that listen we're going to hear from the prophets and the prophets are not the most popular people around just so you know, and they still aren't. They're not the most preached uh, because they're not always gonna tell you what you wanna hear. Micah and his counterpart, Isaiah, were prophets to Israel, a divided nation, and they were both sharing a similar message to a nation that had become very self-focused, had become wealthy and rich, and ignored widows and children and the poor and the suffering. And their message was not one everybody wanted to hear but it was one they needed to hear. It was kind of a, as in our day, a take your medicine kind of message. There are stories that we don't wanna hear, we wanna ignore, that we desperately, desperately need to hear. Abraham Heschel says this of the prophets, and I think this will help you understand what we're doing today. He says, instead of dealing with the timeless issues of being and becoming, of matter and form, of definitions and demonstrations, the reader of the prophets, and that's us today, is thrown into orations about widows and orphans, about the corruption of judges and the affairs of the marketplace. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Instead of showing us a way through the elegant mansions of the mind, right, these cerebral ideas that are theoretical, the prophets take us to the slums. The world, he says, is a proud place, full of beauty. But the prophets are scandalized, and they rave as if the whole world were a slum. To us, a single act of injustice, right? We can say there are problems in the world. There's a problem here, there's a problem there, right? What are we to do? To us, it's a single act of injustice, he says. But cheating in business, exploitation of the poor is slight. To the prophets, it's a disaster. To us, injustice is injurious to the welfare of the people. To the prophets, it's a death blow to existence. 
to us, an episode. To them, a catastrophe. Literally, he says, a threat to the world. Ecclesia, I want to hear the prophets today. Now, I'm like the other animals in Whoville. I don't always want to hear. I'd prefer to stay as comfortable as possible at all times, right? And yet today, I want to remind you that it's that discomfort that's so healthy for us. Let me tell you one story and then we'll dive into the text. We preach on justice from time to time because we are a people of justice. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was in South America in Buenos Aires uh, with our friend Marcelo. We were doing work with his church. We had uh, some of our team there and we were visiting with one of my favorite theologians of all time, Rene Padilla. Now I'm telling you this story because Rene just passed away a few weeks ago. And Rene was a mentor to me. He preached at Ecclesia in the early days at Taft. Uh, he's a well-known and famous Latin American theologian who was one of the first to talk about what we call integral mission, right? Uh, integral mission. And uh, the Latin American theologians were far ahead of us in the United States. And you ought to know, uh, Rene Padilla, uh, if he didn't exist, if I hadn't read his books, Ecclesia would not exist. We wouldn't be doing the things we're doing. And I'm super grateful for him. And I told him on that week, I'm preaching about justice this week. Rene, what would you have me share with our people? And uh, he paused for a minute. I said, well, let me say it another way. Why is it that you and other Latin Americans can tend to be further ahead um, in our understanding of the Bible and it's called the justice than some of us in North America. And this is what he told me. He said, Chris, we read the Bible differently because it's translated differently. He said, I can give you a bunch of examples and he's given me others before, but this is the one he gave me. He said, read uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, right? I pulled it out. I know most of it, but I, I pulled it out to make sure I got it right. And 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is God breathed, right? It's, it's inspired voice. We hear useful teaching, rebuke, correction, instruction, and a training for a life that's right. He says, that's what the Bible does. It gives us training, and sometimes it rebukes us and corrects us, which we need, right? and it teaches us. In places we don't know what to do, it teaches us. He says, now read it in my Bible, and he opens it for me, right? And in Spanish, it says this, Todo escritura es inspirado por Dios y útil para enseñar, para reprender, para corregir, para instruir en justicia. He says, how does it sound different to you in Spanish, right? And my Spanish isn't perfect, but I got enough of it, right? And what does he say? It trains us for justice. For a Latin American, they read the Bible and they say, all the Bible trains us for justice. That's the purpose of the Bible. It's all God breathed to train us in justice. Or if you read in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and we say in the English, and his righteousness. You know what it says in the Spanish? It says, and his justicia. He says, seek first the kingdom, right? This place where everyone has enough and God's justice. We often think of righteousness as, go as good acts or morality. We think we're chasing after morality. The Bible actually says, chase after justice. And that's the people that we wanna be. So what does it tell us in Micah 6? First, let me tell you this. The prophets, as Walter Brueggemann would say, uh, I think you're a bit like a doctor. He doesn't say this part, but this is how I put it. Brueggemann says, uh, the prophets paint a picture of the world as it is and all of its brokenness and the world as it should be. And they simultaneously call us to make it what it should be, right? Uh, when I go to the doctor, the doctor will often say, hey, here's your test results. Like, not so good, not looking good. I'm worried about this. I don't like this. You should trim down. You should eat better. You should take this medicine, right? 
And, and the idea is, if you will do these things, then the world might look like this. Like, we'd love to see a healthier version of you, where your heart functions a little bit better, your weight's a little better, your cholesterol's down. Like, that's the world we're looking for. And today, the prophets are going to call us to that better world. And hopefully, as your pastor, I can do that just a little bit. So what does it tell us in Micah 6? The world had gotten really selfish. People didn't care about others. And what we get in, in Micah 6 is a courtroom drama. And God is making an argument. And he's making an argument to say, my people have really, really lost their way. What does Micah tell us in chapter six? Well, in verse six, he says this, Israel is speaking and says, what should I bring into the presence of the eternal one? To pay homage to the God most high. Should I come into his presence with burnt offerings, with year old calves to sacrifice? Would the eternal be pleased with thousands of sacrificial rams? He says, should I offer everything I have? By 10,000 swollen rivers of sweet olive oil, should I offer my oldest son for my wrongdoing, the child of my body to cover the sins of my life? This would be a pagan practice, but he's saying literally, God, what do you want from me? And in verse eight, God says, no. He has told you mortals what is good in his sight. What else does the eternal ask of you but to live justly and to love kindness and to walk with your true God in all humility? This really simple, beautiful voice calls us first to what? To justice. To be a people that seek to make things right. Now that means in our culture, where we see injustice, we choose not to turn the other way. We start with listening and we move towards action. I feel like we are so blessed as a church because we get to do this work together, both with the homeless in our city, the suffering, those that have, uh, lack of access to medical care and a food, we get to do that work together and we get to do it all across the globe. And even in a global pandemic, we didn't stop. We get to keep feeding people and loving people and supporting local churches that are doing exactly that all across the globe. This week we had an opportunity and I'll invite you to give towards it, to be able to help provide oxygen containers for our brothers and sisters in India. The stories we're hearing directly from India are catastrophic. And as Heschel says, for the prophets, one incident is catastrophic. For what we're hearing now, this is, this is global. This is so vast. It's so difficult. So what should we do? We just act. We share. That we have something to give in the midst of this. And so it begins with financial generosity. It opens the door to using our gifts and our service, to being really creative about how uh, we use our business and our job and our influence to bring kindness and justice to people. And he says what? Act justly. And he says to be kind. Right? There is something about, right? Justice can have a hard edge to it. This last week, we had another person in Texas that was executed. From what we know, he was guilty of his crime. He was likely um, under the influence or was under the influence of a lot of drugs and, uh, and killed a family member. Uh, I'm one to tell you, I'm opposed to the death penalty in Texas. Why? Because Micah 6 calls me not just to justice, right? You hear it in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I say, right? He says, you're not called as people of the Christian faith to live under this old school justice. Why? Because kindness is a possibility. And we're called to seek justice and also to be kind. I wanna invite you to say, how do you advocate for a world that's filled with kindness? Why am I opposed to the death penalty? Well, for one, because we make a lot of mistakes. Now, for you and I, if you make a mistake, I'm probably gonna make one in this sermon. Hopefully it won't be the end of the world. When we make a mistake with an execution, that's a problem. And historically in Texas, we've made a lot of them. 
Why else? Because I still believe that all people can be redeemed and restored no matter what they've done. Why? Because I believe the Bible. Because I've read the Bible. You heard of Moses, right? I mean, he killed a man, right? And then God used him in amazing ways. I, I don't know what cause you want to advocate for, but I pray that as you seek justice, that you would do it in kindness. And this is what I want to invite you to do. Would you do it starting with yourself? I've got a lot of friends that I just watch, like just beat themselves up over the same mistakes over and over and over again. I find myself repeatedly needing to say, you realize God has forgiven you, right? And maybe you've skipped one of the most important steps um, in the Christian walk, that when you make a mistake, you ask for forgiveness from the people that you've harmed and to God. And something happens when you confess your failure, right? And you're gonna have them. You'll have them today. I'll have them today. And we say, hey God, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And I want to tell you today, whatever it is that you're beating yourself up about, God forgives you. And you know what? The people around you, they may forgive you as well. But whether they do or not, God forgives you. And I want to invite you to forgive yourself and to be kind to yourself. And then he says this. He says, would you just walk humbly with your God? One of the best things we can do as people of faith is embrace the kind of humility that allows us to be focused on how to love others and care for others and not judge. One of the things that I've struggled with the most in the version of Christianity that I inherited and grew up in, that I've watched uh, thrive, is this sense of people that love to focus on what the scripture says so that they can thrust it upon other people, right? And say, hey, this is what I think the Bible says for you to do, right? And so we can obsess over a financial ethic or a sexual ethic and say, hey, the Bible says this, why aren't you doing it? And the reality is, whether it's a sexual ethic or a financial ethic, how much money should you keep and how much should you share? That's something you're going to have to figure out. I can't figure it out for you. But you know what? I don't need to be sitting around trying to obsess over whether you're doing it well. I need to think about whether I'm doing it well. And that's part of walking humbly. When we say, God, I, I want to do the best with what you've given me and who I am and what I have. And if we'll walk in that place, not worrying about other mistakes people are making, worrying about what mistakes do I want to avoid as I walk with God? I got to tell you, Ecclesia, that's a good life. So a few things that you can do to do that well. Let me give you three. Here's the first is just live with a radical kind of generosity. Look for opportunities to buy a taco for a homeless friend. Look for an opportunity to scale back what you spend on yourself, right? I don't know how expensive a car you need to drive, but does it get you from place to place? Right? And how do you scale back your expenses so that you can share more? I'm blessed that we're a part of a church, that when we give to our church, we know that we're doing good work here and across the globe. I find great comfort in it. And what I want to do often in this season, especially, is scale back what I'm often spending on me so that I can be more a part of what God's doing in the world. That radical generosity gives us more joy than just about anything else. And then secondly, I want you to hear this clearly. Part of the struggle with God's people in Israel, part of the struggle that Micah was writing about is that people um, were, um, they just wanted more and more and more. This is what he says in Micah 6. Verse 14, he's talking to his people about why they're going to experience destruction. He says this, he says, you will eat, but you'll never be satisfied. You will always feel the gnawing pangs of hunger. You will store away, but you'll never keep safe. 
You will sow grain, but never reap it. You will plant olives, but never anoint yourself with the sweet oil. You will harvest vineyards for juice, but never drink the wine. What's he saying? He's saying, no matter what you have, you're never going to experience enough of it to be satisfied. This is what I want to encourage you to say, and this ought to be a theme for our summer together. Would you be satisfied with whatever you have? Whether it's a burger or a hot dog, or whether it's avocado toast, or whatever it is, you can tell I'm thinking about food, can't you? I tried to get barbecue today and it didn't work out, right? Whatever it is, whatever's in front of you, would you just determine yourself to be satisfied with it? And to say, whatever I get tomorrow, I'm gonna be satisfied with that. That kind of satisfaction creates a spiritual health that is so good for each and every one of us. And then thirdly, this is what he says. He says, would you act justly? Would you be kind? And would you walk humbly with your God, right? This is what I want to tell you. In humility, would you keep walking? This is part of what it means, is that I got to keep walking. One, because I need the exercise, right? Let's, a sedentary lifestyle is not good for any of us. Let's keep moving this summer. Get out on long walks. And also, figuratively, as we hit bumps in the road and hard times, let's keep moving. Don't get caught up in a roadblock that has you so distracted you can't see what's coming next. Just keep moving and let's move through it together. I'm grateful that as we reconnect with each other, as we reconnect with God, that we get to be a part of God's justice in the world. I'm grateful that Micah 6 makes clear that God doesn't want us to give him everything we have. He doesn't want this massive sacrifice. What he wants is for us to act justly, to love mercy and kindness, and to keep walking humbly with our God. I don't know about you, but that feels doable to me. I'm never going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Please don't try. But if God's call to me is to care about justice and to listen to people that others want to ignore, and then to act on their behalf, and to do it with kindness and mercy, and then to be with God and to walk with Him, and to walk humbly with Him, that sounds like a good life to me. Would you give me a moment, Ecclesia, to pray for you and with you? Lord God, I thank you for the scriptures. I thank you that just as Heschel reminded us, that for us, we can often ignore injustice. And we're grateful for the voice of the prophets that says, if one life is destroyed, if there is injustice for one, that it ought to matter to all. And so today, God, we pray that we can continue to reconnect with our church, a community of people, that though we are not perfect, we care for justice for those in our city and across the globe. Would you reconnect us to that mission? And would you give us new clarity and imagination about how we can be a part of that work to care for, just as Horton did the little who's in Whoville, as he said, every life matters no matter how small. Lord, we believe the same, whether the life is in India or in Houston or in Crosby, Texas or in Galveston or in Paris, France or in Buenos Aires, wherever someone is and whatever group they're a part of, their voice and their life matters. We pray this together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So Ecclesia, it's my privilege to get to invite you wherever you are to come to the table to remember Christ's death and resurrection and remember that God's mercy is freely available for all of us. So as we prepare to celebrate, to eat together, I wanna to invite you to pray a prayer of confession, to take some time to examine your heart, to be honest with yourself and to be honest with God about the places where you 
long for God to move and transform you and us. And so would you join me in this prayer? I'll lead us as a celebrant and you can respond as the people. God, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. And altogether, you are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. So, Ecclesia, we remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he gathered with his closest followers and they shared a meal together. And at one point in the meal, he took a loaf of bread and he gave thanks for it, he blessed God, and then he broke it and he gave it to his closest followers and he told them to take this and eat. It's my body broken for you. And in the same way, after the meal, he took a cup of wine and again, he thanked God, he blessed God. And then he gave it to them and he said, take this and drink, it's my blood poured out for you. This is a new covenant established in my blood. And so Ecclesia, we remember today that Christ gave his body and he gave his blood for us, that we could receive God's mercy and forgiveness and that we could be conduits of that to all people in all places and all times. And so my prayer for you today is that you taste and receive God's forgiveness and mercy in your life. Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all call to him I owe sin and left a crimson stain Washed it white as snow Lord, now indeed I find Thy power and Thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.
before the throne I stand in Him complete Jesus died my soul to save My lips shall still repeat Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow Ecclesia, I want to invite you to take a moment and do one of my favorite things that we get to do in this gathering, and that's to just say a word of blessing over the kids and the youngest ones in our lives. So wherever you are, if you've got kids with you, would you pause? Would you gather them? Would you put your hands on their head or on their shoulder? Would you get down on their level? Would you look them in the eye? And if you don't have kids with you where you are, that's okay. Pull up a picture on your phone, pull up a picture of some kids in your mind, and just join me as we as we continue in this sacred practice of speaking words of kindness and blessing over our kids. And I'm absolutely thinking of my son Moses and my daughter Aiden as I lead us in this prayer. But Moses and Aiden, may you live by faith. May you be known by love. May you be a voice of hope. May you know all your days that God loves you, that I love you. May God grant you big dreams and may you summon the courage to follow after them. And I pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As our time together this morning draws to a close, allow me to pray this blessing, this benediction over you. Lord, as we depart, Grant us sight for injustice. May the scales fall from our eyes, that we not be blind to our sisters and brothers in distress. Grant us tender hearts. Continue to soften the places we have become hard-hearted, stubborn, and lacking in kindness. Grow us always in empathy and compassion. Grant us the endurance to ever view life from the dust. May pride and acclaim never allow us to lose the low perspective of our earthen footing, the virtue of being humble in spirit. Teach us anew, dear Lord, to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with you. 
that which is good and all you require. Show us the way. Go forth to live the church throughout the week. You are loved. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.